You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm very honored and thrilled to have with me this evening from Amman, Jordan, Shireen Yacoub, who is the CEO of EdRock. And EdRock is a free online education platform reaching over 2 million learners from across the Arab world and is the brainchild of Queen Rania of Jordan. And Shireen will be with me in just a moment. Uh, be sure, as always, to stay with us as we go into our breaks to hear from our watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you all kinds of great up-to-date information from the industries of health, finance, technology, business leadership, and diversity. And you can always find more information on the show and our lineup of guests at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Women to Watch as well. And now I'd like to welcome to the show Shireen Yacoub, the CEO of EdRock. Shireen, thank you so much for being with me this evening. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. I, um, I'm real excited to talk um, a lot about kind of, you know, the future of education and, and where we see education going, uh, moving more to online and, and out of the classroom. But I want to talk about you and your upbringing in Amman, Jordan, uh, a little bit as the oldest of three. I understand you were the oldest with two younger brothers. Um, and there was quite a importance um, placed on education by your parents. So true. So I come from a very modest family um, made of 
obviously my mother and father who my mother works as a, a public school teacher and my father as a civil engineer and they uh, both believe so much in education that they've uh, invested more than their the half of their income on educating their kids uh, because they really believe that through the power of it, of education we can have access to better life opportunities we can change our living standard and have uh, in general uh, a better life to realize our dreams so growing up there was this huge emphasis on the importance of education of excelling at school and making the most out of it and i would say that this is a typical jordanian ethos among families, especially um, from, you know, this middle class, uh, a lot of parents, they just sacrifice a lot in order to ensure that their kids get the best education possible. Um, and they all believe that uh, through education, you can really transform your life and um, uh, change your reality and realize dreams that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Mm. And you you certainly did that. You actually received um, a scholarship to study abroad. And you, from what I've read, very curious always about other cultures. I wondered if you could share with me a little bit about what surprised you the most um, when you had those opportunities to live abroad. I was very fortunate to also uh, be at a school that believed in talent. Uh, so it was uh, a public school that gathered young talent from across Jordan to uh, provide them with top quality education and different opportunities, especially um, ones that are related to studying abroad and having cultural exchange programs. And it's been always my dream to study abroad just to get to, um, you know, meet people from different backgrounds and nationalities and get to know other cultures. So um, I think the the most exciting part about, you know, traveling to New York at the age of 18 and living by myself was uh, how similar people can be regardless of their backgrounds. And, you know, there it was for me, a moment of uh, revelation that it doesn't really matter where you come from. It, what really matters is what you're passionate about, what you're committed uh, to, and what your moral compass is. And this is what usually brings people together. And um, it was amazing to see how uh, uh, many misconceptions there were about the Middle East. So a lot of people, uh, just be the first time I just tell them I'm from Amman, they go ahead and assume that I come from a tent and, you know, we use camels to get around. So uh, at the time, you know, <laughs> at the time, social media and the Internet was not as pervasive as now. Mm. So I kind of uh, don't think that this is applicable now. But at the time, I really also had the responsibility of um, transferring some knowledge um, and spreading some awareness about where I come from and what Jordan stands for and what the Middle East is really like. Yes, you know, that's that's really probably one of the greatest opportunities we have in these um, exchange programs and, and for all people from all different countries and cultures to, to go to other places and, and kind of bring the truth about uh, their people. Absolutely. So you received a BA from Manhattanville College and some additional certifications from Harvard and Georgetown University. Tell me a little bit about what your aspirations were at that time. 
So at that time, I wanted to major in human resources because in Jordan, um, we don't have that many natural resources and uh, we, we really rely on our talent to date. It, it is the number one resource for uh, Jordan. So I wanted to work in this sphere um, through which I can work on designing, delivering programs that unleash the potential of uh, people. And that's why I uh, majored in uh, human resource management. But I was always curious about, as I mentioned, other cultures. So I minored in French and got to spend some time in France working on my French language. Um, once I finished my uh, BA, I immediately came back to Jordan because, you know, I had this um, inner call that I wanted to come back and make a difference um, in my hometown. And uh, so I returned um, back in 2006 and joined the nonprofit uh, sector, working on various programs related to um, youth empowerment, working mm -hmm. in the same field that I studied, which is human resource development. Okay. And I, I understand you also um, volunteered. Uh, when you were younger to, to work with children with special needs. Where did that interest come from? My mother, uh, after she's retired from uh, her uh, teaching profession at public at the public school, uh, she transferred to um, manage a facility or you know a, a center uh, that provides training programs for uh, um, young people with disabilities. So I. I think we're breaking now. Yes, yes, that's fine. We're going to take a break. <laughs> yep. And when we come back, um, okay. uh, we'll continue that, that um, what you're sharing about your mom. Stay with us for Dawn Thayer of Nutrisystem and Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. Today we're going to talk about whether leaders are born or made. Reflecting back to when I was a teenager, while I was never a follower, I don't think I was a natural born leader. However, my path was likely paved as my parents instilled in me two powerful messages. One, be the best you can be, and two, reach for the stars. So over time, when the opportunities to lead were presented, I didn't fear stepping in. When I was an executive at Reader's Digest, I had the opportunity to work with four different CEOs over a five-year period. This gave me a bird's eye view to different leadership styles and their effectiveness in different situations. I like to think I took bits and pieces from each as I developed my own unique style. I believe that leadership is a largely modeled behavior and that as a leader, you should always be evolving. Here are six points that I embrace. First, it's important to study leaders that you respect and can learn from. Note, this doesn't always mean people you report to. You can learn a lot from others as well. Second, it's critical to have experiences that give you indicators of behaviors that you don't want to emulate. Third, different situations call for different leadership styles. The best leaders know how to adapt to a situation to bring out the best in people. Fourth, it's helpful to have trusted advisors that tell you things straight up. Someone that you trust, who is not conflicted, and you're willing to hear constructive feedback from. Fifth, don't hesitate to make decisions and don't be afraid of failure, but never forget that the most important asset of any company is truly its people. So whatever you do, do it with the three C's, clarity, communication, and compassion. Sixth, as a leader, encourage diversity of leadership styles on your team. 
Studies show that this improves company performance. Thanks, everyone. I'm Don Zier here for CEO Watch. I'll be back next Sunday. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch for the week. And today, it is time to declutter. How many of you think about spring cleaning, right? How many of you think about decluttering and having your own personal spring cleaning? So what does that look like for you? I want to challenge you and ask you to think about having a declutter in four aspects of your life. Mental decluttering, physical, emotional, and most of all, your spiritual life. So when you think about this, the most important thing you can do for yourself is take a few minutes to be alone and in silence. And I'd like you to get out a journal or a piece of paper because this is where the golden magic will happen is I'd like you to write down each of these words, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And then for the next seven days, I would ask each and every one of you do this for yourself. I'll never know if you do it, but what I do know is something very magical will happen. I'd like you to ask yourself, what mental clutter is blocking you from achieving your potential? What can you do to be more mindful of your mental clutter? What about your emotional clutter do you need to face straight on in your life? What are you avoiding? What about your physical clutter? What's going on in your environment, in your office, in your home? The physical way that your life is, what do you need to declutter? And very important is your spiritual life. How is your spiritual life? Is it clean? Are you focused? Do you have, have a higher sense of power? I don't know what that is for you, but your spiritual self is needing to come alive. And all of this, when you take the time for these four elements of decluttering, you will find that this has a dramatic impact on both your personal and professional clutter in your life. So let's just end on that. What professional clutter are you harboring? Are you going into your meetings with a clear outcome? And what do you bring to your meetings? Please reach out to me, hollydowling.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking to Shireen Yacoub, who is the CEO of EdRock. And EdRock is a free online education platform um, in Jordan, um, which um, provides resources and education um, to the Arab world and is affiliated with the Queen Rania Foundation. Uh, Shireen, just before our break, you were sharing why you had an interest in volunteering and working with children with special needs. Yeah, so I, just uh, as I was saying, my mom used to run a center for um, 
children and youth with disabilities. So I got exposed at a very early age at uh, these beautiful souls who um, were not getting everything they deserved uh, from the society because there were so many hurdles uh, for them to pursue normal lives. Um, and there were so many efforts that were needed for uh, full integration into uh, you know, the transportation system, the education system, healthcare, and so on. So I was really passionate about um, helping um, these children and youth. Uh, I used to volunteer during the summer, um, in the summer programs to um, work on certain activities that would, um, you know, build certain skills. Uh, we'd also have uh, site visits to various tourism sites in Jordan and just work closely with them on evolving as human beings uh, just the way they should, you know. It's yes, it's wonderful. And it's interesting that that, you know, experience for you at a younger age um, is connected really to, to some of the work that you're doing today um, pertaining to K through 12 students that are using um, EdRock. Tell me, can you tell me how you came to know Queen Rainia? Um, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but what was the opportunity that led you to her and this assignment as CEO? Uh, so back in 2014, Her Majesty had this dream of um, revolutionizing access and delivery of education in the Arab world. So through her foundation, the Queen Rania Foundation, uh, she set up IDRAC as the first nonprofit um, open online education platform. Back then, I joined uh, as a project manager to work on courses and designing and delivering content for Arab users whether it's authentic Arabic content or uh, Arabized content from uh, universities such as Harvard and MIT. Uh, so I was part of the founding team and that's when the journey began. Uh, then I you know, um, uh, evolved in my role and uh, continued to advance. And finally, three years later, um, I was uh, fortunate and lucky uh, to be appointed as the CEO of IDRAC and I feel that this is a testament to Her Majesty's belief in women and empowering them. Uh, as you know, EdTech and technology in general is uh, a male-dominated uh, community, especially at the executive and uh, uh, senior leadership level. Yes. Uh, but with Her Majesty, she always believes in the power of uh, women, of young talent, of uh, Jordanian youth who can really make a difference. Yes. You know, I'd love to know, um, you know, what what knowing her and working with her, is there something you could share with uh, our listeners uh, that might surprise us about her? You know, we read about her quite often in the news and all of the work that she's doing um, around education and the empowerment of women. And I wonder if there's something that's been impressive to you about her personally. Uh, I can share so many details uh, that are so impressive. I mean, you know, Her Majesty is a visionary uh, leader who is passionate about uh, creating better life opportunities for her nation, um, and let alone the kids of uh, Jordan. Um, so she usually people think that you know, um, you know, with the Queen, it's it's a, it's always a high level conversation. But with Her Majesty, she's you know she's very brilliant. She's 
she's very aware and always current in terms of what's going on and she's very tech driven so she's always hands on with us and she is usually part of every single milestone that we create at Idrak it's through her vision the conversations with her uh, she's very humble and uh, modest she allows us to express ourselves um, in any way we'd like she just makes sure that she provides us with uh, the support and guidance so that we can go and build uh, great stuff to uh, make sure that kids and children, not only in, the, in Jordan, but also the Arab world, have the opportunity to access high quality education. Mm. So, I, you know, what you're doing at EdRock is really a reinforcement of the role that teachers play. Um, it's an extended place for students who want to continue to learn and reinforce what they're learning in the classroom. Um, tell me how, how that is being done. In other words, how does this type of education reinforce the subject matter that the students are learning from their teachers in the classroom? All right. So IDRAG provides uh, open educational resources that are aligned with national curricula. And they're basically um, uh, designed in Arabic, delivered with the highest quality of uh, multimedia, instructional design, and uh, relevance to whatever is being taught at schools. Um, in addition to the content itself, we also provide features for teachers that uh, allow them to create a um, very engaging and interactive online learning experiences such as virtual classrooms. So um, we enable them to use both content and technology to advance their uh, the learning experience of their students and use it in multiple ways. Exam for example, remedial education, scaffolding, addressing those with uh, higher capabilities, with more challenging tasks. Um, and we try to always provide them with teacher professional development content. For example, how to use technology, how to um, create online experiences that are pedagogically sound, how to use assessments, how to use different tools online and offline. Okay. Listen, we're going to take another break. I'm speaking to Shireen Yakub, the CEO of EdRock. Stay with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie with your Health Watch and Terry and Maggie for your Finance Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. 90% of diabetes in the U.S. is type 2 diabetes. You make insulin, but it's not working. Good news? We can screen for it. First, let's review two terms, BMI, body mass index, a measure of body fat based on height and weight. Normal range, 18.5 to 24.9. Over 25 is considered overweight, above 30 is obese. A BMI greater than 25 increases your risk for diabetes. The other term, hemoglobin A1c, a blood test that gives an average of your blood sugars over the past few months. Red blood cells contain a protein called hemoglobin that carries oxygen. Glucose attaches to hemoglobin, and then hemoglobin A1c measures how much of your hemoglobin is covered with sugar. Higher blood sugar levels cause higher hemoglobin A1c levels and higher risks for diabetes and its complications. Screening may include several fasting glucose levels and or hemoglobin A1c levels. 
Urine glucose is not recommended because sugar in the urine can represent kidney disease, not necessarily diabetes. Screening can find prediabetes. Heed this early warning. Many complications, including heart disease, begin here. This would be a hemoglobin A1C of 5.7 to 6.4. We can find early type 1 and type 2. Then we use lipid-lowering meds or keep your blood pressure lower than the nine diabetics that can prevent and limit heart attack and stroke. Or if you're already diabetic, hemoglobin A1C levels can help adjust your therapy and good sugar control can decrease progression of kidney disease, blindness, and nerve damage. If you're at increased risk because your BMI is over 25, history of high blood pressure or vascular disease, diabetes in your family, certain racial groups, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanics, Native Americans, talk to your doctor about screening, watch your weight, and stay active so nobody can call you sweetie. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. This week is National Small Business Week, which recognizes the contributions of America's entrepreneurs and small business owners. According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, more than half of Americans either own or work for a small business, and they create about two out of every three jobs in the U.S. each year. We often find that business owners are so busy building and managing their companies, they have little time to focus on a plan to protect the businesses from the five Ds, death, disability, divorce, departure, or disqualification. These can be addressed with a formal buy-sell agreement. According to the 2015 Mass Mutual Business Owner Perspective Study, only about 40% of the respondents say they have a buy-sell agreement in place. Of the owners who have a successor in mind, one in four say their successor is not aware they have been chosen to continue the business. We recently worked with owner A, who was concerned about the disposition of the successful business she built from scratch. We advised her to work with a business valuation specialist and with an attorney who specializes in buy-sell agreements. That process allowed her to identify her successor and have a strategy that would pay her full value for the business as she transitioned out. Life insurance and disability insurance were put in place so that her family would receive the stated value of the business in case of early death or a major health event. According to the same Mass Mutual study, more than half of business owners are confident about their sources of retirement income. The reality is much different. Three out of four have less than $500,000 saved in their own accounts, which means they are underestimating their reliance on the business for post-retirement income. Many may be forced to sell or continue working indefinitely. One thing is certain, 
100% of business owners will exit their business someday, either by design or default. Succession planning should begin as early as possible. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks so much for joining me this evening uh, for another week of Women to Watch. And I'm talking to Shireen Yacoub. She's calling from Amman, Jordan. And she has a wonderful role as CEO of EdRock, which is an online education platform, um, which really was the brainchild of Queen Rania um, and her foundation in partnership with them. And Shireen, I'd love to ask you, you've had a very, very long, um, successful career in leadership. And I wonder if you have a proudest moment or, or an accomplishment that um, you're most proud of? I mean, uh, I've been fortunate enough to work on impactful projects that, uh, through which I'm able to see uh, the results and outputs of the work that we're doing. But with IDRAC, because of the nature of it being online, so we constantly have interactions uh, with the learners, I guess, uh, you know, being part of the IDRAC team, uh, being part of the team that made this dream come uh, true and fr- from an idea to uh, reality, especially when we first launched uh, the K-12 platform, because at the beginning, in 2014, we were mainly focused on adult education. And uh, then based on the success that we have seen and the hunger for the content we were providing, we decided to expand into the K-12 space. So um, being part of uh, you know the, the team that has been able to uh, realize Her Majesty's vision by launching the platform, I feel very fortunate and lucky to be able to influence um, the lives of many learners, uh, not only children across the Arab world, but also their parents. Because uh, you know, if you ask any parent about the top priority, they would tell you that it's very important for them that their kids receive good education. And many people struggle because of their, uh, you know, socio-economic um, backgrounds of the quality of education their kids get, especially if they live in uh, rural areas or less advantaged communities, and even refugees. So it's been re- it's it's really heartwarming to hear the stories uh, from parents and students themselves telling us that we have changed the way they learn, and that they, we, you know, they they have become more passionate about learning and their fears have gone away and they're now more focused on uh, their actual learning process. Mm. Tell me what the greatest challenge has been in launching this site, because as a free online resource, um, I would imagine there's a lot of outreach for partnerships um, for financial purposes, you know, to keep everything going. Absolutely. As a nonprofit, obviously, our one of our biggest challenges is securing grants to be able to do all this work that we uh, are doing. And uh, we've been fortunate to have partners who also believe in the mission and vision of IDRAC, like Google.org, uh, which really has partnered with us to uh, kick off the K-12 platform through a grant 
um, to launch with the math curricula. And then uh, Jack Ma came on board. He was also a big fan of Her Majesty's work on uh, reforming education in Jordan and the work that Idraq was doing. So um, he was also generous uh, through his foundation to support our expansion into the uh, K-12 space and you know, uh, funding the uh, English stream. So uh, I guess we are uh, constantly trying to find ways uh, to optimize our operations, to make sure that we provide the highest return on investment for our partners and also our um, uh, donors. We uh, are constantly striving to uh, be innovative and find ways in which we can deliver solutions that are relevant and applicable in the context of the MENA region. Mm. Tell me, can you tell me what a typical day is like for you? Uh, quite busy <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> we usually have a leadership stand up where uh, the senior management team comes together to update uh, one another on how uh, each function is going. So we have uh, um, an engineering team and we have content creators, we have uh, media production uh, teams, we have marketing teams and then we have um, the administration in terms of finance and people ops. So we come together, uh, we, pr we share updates, and then I move on to uh, either meetings uh, with several, with, uh, you know, either internal or external. If it's internal, then we're probably working on a project. Uh, if it's external, then it's probably a call to explore a collaboration, a partnership, or to report progress on certain things. And then I try to block a couple of hours in the um, afternoon to respond to emails and uh, address uh, some of the tasks that I'm in charge of, like working on the strategy or uh, our OKRs. So it's usually uh, quite busy and I, I learned that it's it's really uh, tough. It's 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 tough to manage my schedule the way I want every day. But I learned how to go around it, and ensure that I block ahead of time on my schedule some time for uh, deep thinking, deep work. Because otherwise, I'll keep going from one meeting to another, from right. one email to another. Yes, yes. I, I would imagine it is a lot of um, meetings for you every day. Um, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, I want to hear a little bit about your, your personal life. You're married with a child, and I want to share a quote um, that, that you shared. We'll be right back. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch and Hanadi for Diversity. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. It's one thing to get angry in the moment, but it's a totally different thing to hold that anger back in the heart, preserve it and nurture it until it becomes hate and envy. Cultivated anger harms the person harboring those feelings and may end up being expressed in ways that harm others as well. Quote, and the remission is the nearest to righteousness. Forget not kindness among yourselves. Surely God sees what you do. End quote. That was the verse in chapter 2 in the Quran, highlighting the importance of a peaceful divorce. All marriages start on a great loving note. How could some of them turn so ugly? The anger of seeing the other person leaving or giving up leaves a bitter taste that, if not washed away, 
could turn into a lifelong miserable life of vengeful actions. So how do we wash away bitterness? How can we forgive when we really don't feel like it? Examine this prophetic saying, quote, Know that if the nation were to gather together to benefit you with anything, they would not benefit you except with what God had already prescribed for you. And if they were to gather together to harm you with anything, they would not harm you except with what God had already prescribed against you, end quote. So nothing is by mistake. We're meant to experience what we're experiencing and the ultimate goal is to get to know God better. So we stop seeing the person through which harm has taken shape and we start contemplating on the lesson that needs to be learned. Forgiving is a practice that takes trial and error but will sure result in a more peaceful life. I invite you today to forgive someone that has hurt your feelings or done you wrong. Truly, from the bottom of your heart, let go of that anger inside of you and do that for your own good. Today's prophetic ethic is forgive and forget. While moving on so peacefully, don't forget to connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. When I was in grammar school, we had career day, and in high school, we had college fairs. Both were meant to be informative and intended to get me thinking about my future. But yet my knowledge of what types of careers were available to me was still very limited. There were the basic careers, nurse, teachers, secretary, social worker, and at one point I thought maybe park ranger. I didn't know how many options I actually had. Now fast forward, have things really changed? Do teenagers have access to the knowledge needed to make choices early on before attending and investing in college? When I went to business school, I took a class on word processing. Yes, I'm that old. At the time, we were taught how word processing can streamline repeatable documents. When I landed my first job, I was hired to create a process in a law firm that would enable all repeatable documents to become nothing more than fill in the blank. This would allow the fast-growing law firm to keep up with the demand and backlog that they had. I had no idea that what I was doing was considered business process design, but I sure had a knack for it and I really liked it. I felt like I was transforming the business to run more efficiently and I was making a great contribution. There's a misconception amongst young individuals that in order to be considered a technologist, you have to be a coder or developer. But technology goes far beyond hands on the keyboard. At Pathways, we implement the technology called ServiceNow. Yes, we have developers, but we also have business analysts program coordinators, quality testers, and they too are considered technology experts. And these are only a few of the roles that make up our technology company. So when considering and discussing technology as a career path with young girls, it's important that we have girls who code, but equally important are all the other roles and careers that make up the world of technology. For more information on this topic, please email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
I'm speaking with Shireen Yakub, the CEO of Edrock. And, you know, Shireen, when I talk to women who have these types of um, very high caliber positions and are also wives and mothers, it's, it's always interesting to know how, you know, you manage and juggle it. And everyone, I think, has a different philosophy for that. Um, I want to share a quote that, that you said at times of crises, we all have the responsibility towards our own societies. And as a mother, I wonder, you know, what is it that worries you the most and what crises is of most concern to you right now in the Arab world? So the biggest crisis I'm worried about right now is obviously the Syrian refugee crisis that has left uh, millions of children out of school and out of um, safe places to live in, in, uh, in camps, outside camps. So I always think that ways through which we can come together as uh, a community or a society to better serve these children because um, th- there shouldn't be a lost generation. Uh, and, you know, if the world thinks of the Arab world as uh, a gloomy place or, you know, uh, they have concerns about uh, the security and radicalism, we need to think of what would happen uh, when these children come of age and mm-hmm. they are driving uh, the society then. So um, a constant worry that I have is um, they're, they're always on my mind and we're always at the dock even thinking about ways we can reach um, these refugee children. And um, obviously we want to reach all children, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, as many children as we can because every child deserves the best education possible uh, but with these children given the trauma they have been through uh, given the stress the daily stress that they live in that their parents and caregivers uh, live in I think that you know the international community uh, can do a lot more to serve them yeah, you know, it's such a large problem, right? It's 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 an enormous um, issue and topic. And and you know, do you does it overwhelm you when you're someone who really wants to make a difference and you're working in education and children? Where do you even begin? That's a very good question. And you know, there there have been lots of initiatives. To be fair, uh, whether they work out or they don't, at the end, you do see the intent. But I think that uh, you know, it's it's been more than seven years now, and um, these kids have really been in you know, disrupted, their lives have been disrupted. They have been out of schools for a long time. And even those who are in schools, uh, we're not so sure how effectively they are learning. And their parents are always stressed. They're worried. Um, they don't have access to work opportunities that can uh, support uh, changing their realities. Uh, a lot of them have gone in despair. And uh, the, the entire you know, setup is is really uh, worrisome. 
I mean, when I visited the camp, um, for example, in Zatari, I was amazed by the resilience and uh, positivity that you wouldn't expect to find in this place. Mm-hmm. So these refugees, while a lot of people see them as liability, um, they're really true talents. <laughs> and we really need to think of ways through which we can help them unleash their potential and create alternative realities that provide them with the opportunity to um, you know, pursue or rekindle their passion for education, for influence. Uh, and I think that it's important for the international community to deliver on its promise, not only to Jordan, but also to these refugees in order to provide them with more resources, more programming that will enable them to um, either rebuild their lives as they go back or uh, have a decent life wherever uh, they are. whether they're in Turkey, Jordan, or Lebanon, or elsewhere. Mm. You know, it's always incredible to me, um, children in particular who have been through great trauma always seem to have more resilience than anyone. They're so strong and inspiring. It's amazing. And this is exactly why you feel more responsibility because you see how aspiring and hopeful they are despite everything they're going through. They're really hanging on to uh, the very last string of hope, as they say. So it's really on us as a community to meet them where they are and try to uh, end this misery and help them uh, recreate a life different probably than the one that they have uh, left behind uh, back in Syria, but still at least an alternative they can uh, rise from. Yes, absolutely. And do you do you have programs uh, within your organization that allow for young people to um, perhaps intern or be a part of the work that you're doing? At IDRAC, yes, we do. We usually collaborate with uh, interns from different uh, universities and different backgrounds. Uh, They come and they spend uh, usually um, uh, a few weeks at IDRAC working on a certain project, uh, usually during the summer break. And through these uh, internships, they're exposed to our work and they're able to contribute to what we do. Uh, We assign to them specific projects to ensure that it's really a valuable opportunity for them to learn and apply something that they could be proud of. That's amazing. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's one of the best ways to do it. Um, Shireen, listen, can you give your um, information for our listeners so that they can go and visit the site and learn more about it? I'd love to invite everyone to check out IDRAK at www.edraak.org. And they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Very good. Shireen, thank you so much. You're doing great, great work. And um, I hope you'll stay in touch with the show. Thank you, Sue. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I hope that, uh, you know, you continue to host uh, women and talk about issues that are important and inspiring for uh, younger women uh, who can absolutely do whatever they set their minds to. Oh, thank you so much. That is the plan. (laughs) Have a great rest of the day. That's (laughs) it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much to my sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. 
program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.